0: First reading is from Proverbs chapter 2 and it's verses 12 to 22 and it's on page 626 in the Bible's from the foyer. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men from men whose words are perverse who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways who delight in doing wrong and in rejoice in the perverseness of evil whose paths are crooked and whose ways who are devious in their ways it will save you also from the adulteress from the wayward wife with her seductive words who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before god for her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead none who go to her or attain the none who go to her return or attain the paths of life thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of right the righteous for the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the unfaithful will be torn from it.
1: I'm going to be reading uh, from James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, uh, and it can be found on the Church Bibles on 1197. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If any one is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take, a sh- or take ships for an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, They are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and it itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed um, and have been tamed by men. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a, um, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we can praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness, out of the same mouth comes praises and curses. My brothers, this should not be can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers can a fig-tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water.
2: What are you doing? computer or a mother says why are you always such a disappointment to me or a husband who says to his wife why can't you be more like Bob's wife or a teacher who says you must be the stupidest student I have ever had we saw last week that faith without works is dead that real faith works real love. But I reckon the hardest, the hardest way for real faith to work real love is with the tongue. We see tonight in James that the tongue is untamable. It's powerfully destructive. But I want to ask, is the tongue really the problem? And is there any hope for us? We'll jump in there at verse 7. It says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. My son Hamish has managed to tame and teach tricks to our three-year-old dog. All sorts of tricks sit Roll over, sit pretty, say your prayers. He can teach it to do any sort of trick. Of course, you can't teach our cat to do anything. It's a cat. And it's not just domestic animals, though, is it? There are birds, there are seals, there are killer whales, even, that you can tame. And teach to do tricks. And it's not just a modern phenomena because we have iPhones. They could do it back in James's day. But no man and no woman can tame their own tongue, can get their tongue under control, says James. That's the basis, isn't it, of the warning in verses 1 and 2. You shouldn't be a teacher. You shouldn't presume to be a teacher because we who teach will be judged more strictly. So we'll stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. The tongue is so untamable, so restless, so unpredictable, so careless, that if you can manage to tame the tongue, you'd be perfect with everything else. That'd be a snap. It's like a child in the class who is the worst child who can't be controlled and even the best teacher can't tame them the tongue is untamable says james and like that untamable cl- child in a class a small part affects everything else the tongue is small but powerful says james That's the point of those two illustrations, isn't it? verse 3 and 4, we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, then we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Some of you like to ride horses. Some of you like to go on cruises. I don't want to do either of those things. But I get the point. A small thing controls the whole thing. Small but powerful. Likewise, the tongue, says James, verse 5, is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It's small but powerful. And the third example he gives shows that it's not just small but powerful, but powerfully destructive. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The tongue is powerfully destructive. And we've had a powerful example of that this week, haven't we? Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, he's got an untamable tongue, hasn't he? We've known that for a while. And now we have a US president who's got one as well. Fire and fury like the world has never seen, he says. His tongue speaks the word, and whether his words are off the cuff or they're calculated with a purpose, who can tell? Whether he says them at a press conference or tweets them, he speaks words, just mere breath. And it might unleash fire and fury. And we live in fear. The tongue is small, but powerfully destructive. And that's true not just on a world scale, isn't it? With the tongues of powerful leaders. All tongues have the power to destroy people. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but just before my first test at university, I was stressed about passing this biology test. And I had this really large pimple right in the middle of my nose. And I was saying to the guy next to me, look, I'm really stressed about this test. Will I pass this test? I'm not sure. He says to me, don't worry, Sean. I've heard that everyone with a really large pimple on their nose is going to pass automatically. Well, I felt so much more relaxed. then, (laughs) And I've completely got over it, as you can tell. Words can be spoken to us and the wounds can last a lifetime. They can be words spoken by a parent or a spouse, a friend or a teacher or a classmate. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a complete myth, isn't it? The tongue is powerfully destructive. And James shows two examples of that in this passage doesn't he? Uh, in verse 1 the warning not to become teachers don't become a teacher he says because your tongue can be powerfully destructive. You can speak heresy and lead people to hell. You can speak people that sin does not matter and lead people to hell or you can simply make the word of God boring and put them to sleep and they might up and end up in hell anyway. The tongue is powerfully destructive. And then in verse 9 he says, You praise God with your tongue and you curse men. What does he mean? He doesn't spell it out, does he? But in chapter 2, do you remember, he says, You insult the poor with your words. Chapter 4 he warns, Do not slander anyone. Chapter 5 he says, Do not grumble against one another. When we are overly critical, when we put others down, when we complain, our tongues are untamable. They are powerfully destructive. And even now, as I'm talking about the powerful destruction of the tongue, maybe you can feel the pain that somebody else's words have caused to you. It might have been this week. It might have been years ago, but you still feel the pain. Even now, you might realize that you've spoken words that have caused pain to others. It might even be that the people in the room tonight are some of the people that you have caused pain to. And can I say tonight that if that's you, you realize that your tongue has destroyed someone else and they're in this room. James says in chapter 5, confess your sins to one another. Go and deal with it. Acknowledge it. And ask for forgiveness. Our tongues are untamable. They are powerfully destructive on others and we know that ourselves and we know what we've done to other people. But actually, that's not the point that James is making. We leap to that conclusion because we understand that and we think that's what the tongue does and that's what James is talking about. It's true, but that's not his point. The tongue is untamable. James is saying. It is powerfully destructive, but not on other people. That's not what he's talking about. It's powerfully destructive on you, the one using the tongue. Let me try and show you. See the examples in verses 3 and 4. The bit turns the whole animal. The small part controls the animal. The rudder part of the ship, steers where the ship is going to go. The point is not that the horse attacks someone else. The point is not that the boat attacks another boat. It's the horse and the boat itself, and the small thing controls where it goes. It's even more obvious when it comes to the fire, verse 7. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil, Among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Does any of that talk about hurting someone else? No. Is any of it about being powerfully destructive on those around you? No. Who is it destroying? You. It's a world of evil among the parts of Your body, the tongue's body. It corrupts the whole person, the tongue's person. It sets the whole course of the tongue's person's life on fire, do you see? It's obvious when you begin to see it, as I did towards the second half of this week. We don't see it because we can't understand what it means. How is it that my tongue can destroy my life? Well, I pondered that this week. I asked my wife for some insight and input. I asked some other ministers for their insight and input, and I think it means two things. How does your tongue destroy your life? Well, it destroys your relationships, doesn't it? With your tongue, you can create and build relationships with other people. But if the tongue is untamable. If it's powerfully destructive, then that'll destroy your relationships. As you criticise people and cut down people and mock them, your relationships with them are strained and will eventually be destroyed. When you gossip about people and exaggerate and lie, their opinion about you goes down and down, and eventually they don't trust you at all. If you bluster and boast like our friends King Jong-un and President Trump, you'll back yourself into a corner. You may well be trapped by your own tongue with no way out but fire and fury and destroy yourself by destroying your relationships. The second one is a little harder to grasp. Not just does your tongue destroy your relationships. It destroys who you are. I've mentioned before uh, the dad in the castle movie, who no matter what his wife puts on the table, he is just besotted with her and her cooking. He is delighted. What do you call it, love? He says. Is that good for his wife? You bet it is. She's grinning. Is it good For him. Does it help him to have a positive attitude to his wife? Yes. Does he grow in his love and appreciation for his wife as he uses his tongue positively about her? Yes. What do you think happens when a husband talks down the wife to his mates? Do you think that would not affect him and his attitude to her? Or a wife who keeps mocking what a husband is like, he can't find anything around the house when she gets together with her girlfriends. Does that not affect her and her attitude to her husband? Do you think swearing doesn't affect you? Do you think telling derogatory jokes about other people does not affect you? Of course it does. Do you think calling other people wogs? or boat people, or pufters would not affect you. Of course it does. The tongue is untamable, And it is powerfully destructive on other people, and powerfully destructive upon you, because it destroys your relationships, and destroys you. Well, what a depressing part of the Bible this is. This tongue, which is this amazing, amazing gift of muscles bound together that allows you to use the gift of language given by God. But it turns out to be untamable and powerfully destructive, not just on other people, but on you. How depressing. What a problem to have. And we long for answers to that, don't we? We want solutions to our tongue. We want how-tos on how to tame the tongue. You know, uh, six ways to tame your tongue this week. That'd be a good sermon, wouldn't it? Be slow to speak, number one. Number two, think before you speak. Number three, if you've got nothing good to say, don't speak. Number four, always say one good thing before you say one bad thing. Number five, if none of those are working, then wash your mouth out with soap. See if that helps. And number six, if they all fail, simply cut it out. Maybe that'll work. Is that what this passage should do for us? Is that the point of this passage? The heading gets it completely wrong, doesn't it? You realise the headings are not there in the original. James didn't write them. They're put in by the translators. What's the heading say? Taming the tongue. And what does James say in verse 8? No one can tame the tongue. What would be a better heading for this passage? Not taming the tongue. That's the point of it. You can't do it. And why not? Is it that the tongue has too many muscles in a small area, it's just impossible to do? Is it that the nerves going to your tongue are simply not good enough to control it? Is the problem really with your tongue? We'll have a look at it again at the last paragraph. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. James is always on about being double-minded, and here it's double-tongued, isn't it? Praise God, curse men. Why does that happen, he says? Not because of what your tongue is like. Have a look on, verse 11. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James is not on about the tongue here, do you see? It's not the tongue, but its source. It goes deeper, James's words here, than the tongue itself. Is the problem with the tree? Yes. Can you get... Figs from an olive tree? Can you get figs from a grapevine? No, the tree determines the fruit. Can you get fresh water, which is what you want, from a salt spring? No. The spring determines the water. So can you get good words through your tongue from Whatever it is that James is referring to, if this thing is evil, no. Do you see the point? Why is the tongue a world of evil, a restless evil, full of deadly poison? Because it comes from a bad tree. Because it comes from a bad spring. That's what he means, I think, when it says in verse 6, the tongue itself is set on fire, started on fire, by hell. There's something deeper and worser than the tongue going on. Where does James get that idea from? From Jesus. What did Jesus say? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why is your tongue so untamable? Why is it so powerfully destructive on others and on you? The problem is not your tongue. The problem is you. The problem is your heart, who you are on the inside. And that might be good news for the tongue. It lets the tongue off the hook, you might say. But it is not good news for you, is it? Or me. We don't like to hear this. We always like to think that the problem is outside us. It's not my fault that I sit in my office and out loud mock my computer regularly. It's not my fault, it's the computer. It's stupid. It's not my fault that I lose patience with my kids out loud. They're annoying. The small ones I'm talking about. It's the circumstances, do you see? Not me. And though the tongue, I admit it, is part of me, it's not your tongue, it's my tongue, it's in my body, it's sort of outside, isn't it? It's just a a body part, not me. And we show that we think that when something slips out, we're annoyed, we're in a rush, and we rudely say, how could you do that, you idiot? And then we immediately say, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But if the problem is not the circumstances and the problem is not my tongue, then that's a lie, isn't it? It's not that I didn't mean to say that. I meant it, all right. It came from me. And so I shouldn't say, I'm so sorry I didn't mean to say that. We should say, please forgive me. What I said was exactly what I meant. And I'm so embarrassed that you found out. Please forgive me. This is even more depressing now, isn't it? Not only is the tongue untamable and powerfully destructive, the tongue is like that because of my heart. And the challenge in James chapter 3 is not to tame the tongue, but to admit that I'm to blame. Will you do that? about your own words. Will you confess that to God and confess it to others? Well, is there any hope then if our tongues are like this because we're like this? Well, do you remember at the end of Joshua we asked the same question? God had given them the land, the promise keeper, and he even gave them rock piles to remember what he'd done for them. But they still had their idols in their backpacks. And God knew they would fail. And what did he do? He was still committed to them. He promised to be with them in the land. And much later, when they'd failed him, as he knew that they would, he made a new promise to write the law upon their hearts, to change them on the inside. Jesus was that perfect man. Of verse 2. He was never at fault in what he said. His tongue was not untamable. His tongue was not powerfully destructive on others or on him, because he had a good heart. And yet he died for my tongue and your tongue. He died for my heart and your heart. And he rose again that we might be born again. How does James put that? He gave us new birth through the word of truth. If you're someone who's trusted in Jesus tonight, then you're someone who knows that their tongue is untamable and powerfully destructive because you are evil on the inside. And you've turned to Jesus for forgiveness and a new start. And what do you do now? You do not list out the six how-tos of taming the tongue. It won't work. Again, James says, Humbly accept the word planted in you. Have a faith that works by asking God to change you. Do you see there in verse 17, we need a wisdom, he says. That's his way in this passage of describing a heart, a changed heart. A wisdom from heaven that is pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. When you have that sort of wisdom, you have a good heart. Do you need that? How do you get it? Simply by asking. What did James say? If any of you lacks wisdom he should ask God who gives generously. Do you have an untamable, powerfully destructive tongue still? You do. What do you need to do? Ask God for wisdom from heaven that gives you a changed heart that will change your tongue. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that it all, as always you tell us the truth. You tell us the truth about our tongues. They are not pretty. They are untamable and powerfully destructive. Father, we thank you even more that you tell us the truth about why our tongues are like that. It's not the tongue's fault. It's ours, our hearts. Father, we thank you that you love us anyway, that you sent Jesus, the one with the tameable tongue because he had the good heart, that he died and rose again and gives a new heart to those who trust in him. So, Father, we ask you tonight that we might desire a wisdom from heaven that will give us a new heart, a changed attitude to people that will actually change the way we talk with our tongues. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.